Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer, podcaster, and the infinitely knowledgeable Tony Esmond about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I've got a few bits of news. First, some of you may have seen on Twitter and the like that last Wednesday I launched my most recent Kickstarter, Beyond Milford Green. This is a follow-up to my first Kickstarter, Milford Green, and immediately follows on from that story. If you like the idea of Star Trek with a Victorian twist, be sure to check out it on Kickstarter by following www.signalcomics.com forward slash beyond. Secondly, I've set up a community on Reddit for Comics for the Apocalypse, where you can see all of the guest answers and discuss them with fellow listeners. However, there are three rules. Be nice, keep it civil, and no spamming. Get involved with that at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash comics apocalypse. Lastly, we've had one five-star review on iTunes so far, which is wonderful, so thank you very much, Michael2402. However, it would be nice to have a few more, so if you do enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps other people be aware of the show as well. Uh, Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Tony. (laughs) Hello, mate. I love this bit. We do this on on the awesome pod where we pretend we haven't been talking for half an hour already. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. It's good. Like yeah, it. yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's it's completely natural, organic, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, completely <laughs> professional. Um, but uh, yeah, as we were kind of saying <laughs> before that, how how has your retirement been, Tony? It's been uh, it's been since it only started a couple of days ago. It's actually been all right. I'm a little bit bored. I'll yeah. be honest with you. Yeah, so this is so just this kind of... as a welcome distraction, but uh, totally. yeah, and it, it made me dig through a load of long boxes to get some comics to talk about today. So yeah, it's oh, good. Fantastic. Yeah. So I'll be back on tomorrow. We will do it every day. It's fine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we could we could make a daily occur <laughs> Or maybe we could do a side profile, uh, a side podcast. Ah, oh, good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, daily people comics. are clearly already sick of me from the other podcasts I do, but uh, yeah, that'll all. be fine. Yeah, I wouldn't wish it on you. I was telling Dan a couple of weeks ago um, that, uh, yeah, you guys are basically my Monday morning every week. Oh, dear. Sorry about um, that. Yeah. (laughs) So I get get to listen to your uh, wondrous tones even more, Tony. (laughs) We're actually at the point now where we kind of forget that anyone's sort of listening when we do it. And I kind of like that. That's good. I kind of like that we just. It's a natural conversation. Yeah. Yeah, They do do make me laugh, those pair of. French, but yeah, they do. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun, and it, it, I think we're at that point where you just forget that you're recording, you know, sort of thing like that. Well, Vince occasionally actually forgets to record, but I, I can't bring that up anymore because he'll. Uh, I do remember that one time. I think it was, it was uh, mid mid last year, maybe or something, wasn't it? When I mean, we've done what almost 190 episodes, and it only happened once. So ain't too bad. It's yeah, that's bad. that's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad stats. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Um, and and for anybody that that doesn't know who you are, Tony Esmond, uh, what oh what do you do in the world of comics? Um, I'm well. I'm obviously on the Awesome Comics podcast. Um, I've written a sort of for various different sites. I've written a sort of re- reviews and commentary and stuff like that for I suppose probably about fifteen years now. Maybe uh, maybe slightly less. And I've been doing my own small press comics since the mid nineties. Um, under a sort of various guises um and 
Yeah, th- this year, I suppose I'll have had a few things out by the time this gets posted. So the Awesome Comics issue four just came out, um, True Believers, last weekend. Yes. Um, we're very pleased with that. So though we managed to do four issues in a year, which we're sort of super chuffed about. Um, I've written the intro for Gallant and Amos, which is hopefully will have passed its Kickstarter amount by about now. Yeah, I'm sure um, <laughs> yeah, how to, yeah, how to make comics with Springworth. That's just yes. come out as well, which we're, we're I'm actually over the moon with as well. It's, yeah, it's uh, great, mate. I've got my thank coffee. You. Oh, nice one. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. oh, my, my daughter's only 18 months old, so I'm, oh, I'm going right. to have to wait a couple of years before she can actually kind of go at it or we can go <laughs> at it together. Um, oh, nice one. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. Oh, brilliant. That's really kind of you, mate. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, so that's, and that's, that's kind of... Um, uh, the Hanks is a beast. His art's great, in that and it, it's yeah, sort of real, re- really good stuff. And as his prolix in uh, Kung Fu as well, he's, he's, it's just been a, a really fun ride doing that with Vince and Dan, that the, the awesome comics anthology and Nick. And we got a couple of Andy Blaw did as a cover, and an old mate of mine, Ed Traquino's uh, storyboard artist on Black Panther and Avengers and stuff, did this one cover really? as well. So it's it's been a really sort of exciting thing to do um, for ourselves, really. Um, totally. Yeah, it's but, it's, uh, it's been great. And where where can people get that, Tony? Uh, if you go to awesomecomics.big... Oh, you've dropped me right in it there. and yeah, ah. I can't remember it now. Let me look it up. Let me look it up <laughs> while I'm talking to you. The uh, This is a bit that we usually get... I usually get down with, but... Uh, the uh, Oh, here it is. It's uh, awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com. And there's uh, they're only a pound for a digital copy and three pounds for each, each physical copy. But um, if you catch us at conventions, we've usually got a sort of bundle sale to do and stuff like that. Um but Springworth is available from the Little Heroes website, um, or it's actually I think you can get it on Amazon, and you can get it on the Waterstones website as well. So they're sort of where you can get that stuff from. But that's that's the hard sell. I don't do. I tell I often tell people <laughs> at conventions I don't do hard sell. I work freelance for No Brow as well, and people come over and and I actually make a point saying, look, I'm not one of those blokes who like shoves a comic in your hands and makes you hold it and buy it, and you know it's that sort of thing. I, I'd, I, th- I think their comics and hopefully our comics as well as yours just speak mm. for themselves. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's all you need. I think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> social media-wise, where can people follow you? Um, so, S O S E Z O H Y Z is the thing on Twitter. Why I made that stupid name up, I don't know. It can only be a bit better than Jester Diablo. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, or if you go to neveronanything.blogspot.co.uk, it's where I usually um, just crazily rant at things. I put a, um, a mission statement up. I don't know if you get the mailer I do in Prolix. Yeah, I right. Say. Yeah, we uh, we kicked we we kicked off a bit uh, this week. Um, so I've I've kind of put a new a new policy of um, like total honesty now, where where I used to avoid reviewing books if I didn't like them, or I'd say that the staples look nice or something. You know, um, the uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. So we'll see we'll see where that goes. It's um, it's it's it's, it's a to an element it, to a certain element. It's it's satirical and it is meant to be satirical, and all satire should be angry. In my opinion, but uh, yeah, we're uh, yeah we, we, we do a bit of that. So if you go to tinyletter.com forward slash Cockney Kung Fu, we do like a mail. It's going to go to a month monthly one as of um, as of now, really, because it wasn't really done for Cockney Kung Fu. But we, me and Nick, have got plans beyond. I've, listen to me rattling on, right? That's enough. Done. I love it, mate. Yeah, yeah. but you've got you've got major plans for the future, so yeah, we uh, have. Yeah, we got a little bit of twist coming. That's yeah, great. yeah. Um, Sarah Harris has done us a little side story, um, nice. and I'm doing something in the same universe, um, although not quite connected at the moment with Cliff Cumber, who's drawing something for me at the moment, which is looking amazing. So, sort of quite pleased. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Just a bit of fun, isn't it? That's thing in the sport press. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? That's what we got to do. That's what it's yeah. all about. Just a little bit yeah. of fun. Um, and, you know, it's 
I like to think of it as a as a hobby that kind of pays for itself, basically. Exactly. It's what yeah, yeah. I, I want kind of yeah my comics career to be a hobby that pays for itself yeah i tried prostitution didn't really pay for itself so it I'm didn't, now, it didn't uh, work out didn't know uh, fiscally it wasn't it wasn't working yeah, so i moved no. into the comics is it yeah it's, I natural, more it's a natural shift <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of comics thank you so oh. much for being on comics for the apocalypse no pleasure man i really had real fun actually writing this list out it reminded Brilliant. me a bit of um desert island discs where you yeah. got to like really sort of tie it down. I know you've got different subjects, but yeah, I really, um, oh, yeah. a couple of them stumped me and we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, I think I'll find my way in the end. Yeah. Great. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it is essentially Desert Island Discs for comics. Um, kind of, isn't and, it? And that, yeah. that's really the idea. I mean, I love Desert Island Discs and it's, it gives me you a real too. insight into uh, just people, basically, um, yeah. and, and people that you love, whether it be comedians, actors, scientists, or yeah. or whoever. And uh, this specifically, it's comic comic creators so as, as a little um, sidebar yeah. i became sort of slightly obsessed with um desert island discs because i think they dumped like eight thousand episodes or something on itunes mm. didn't they yeah so you can you can go back all the way to the 60s and stuff and listen to people you know as you know you name it they've been on it really and you Pretty know much. people long dead are on it um and we did um of course, a couple of years ago now we did um a desert island comics thing on the podcast and it was we, um al ewing came on the, the who writes the avengers and uh, uncanny x-men at the moment and stuff like that and um it all sort of degenerated as it does with us and um i was running a brothel made of coconut women and oh uh yeah which nick brokenshaw drew us a picture and set in which is like genius and it all just sort of went a you bit off to send me that <laughs> yeah yeah and it just went off on one and it's like, oh God, what have we done? <laughs> you know what I mean? We've got this Marvel artist on, and we're just like talking about coconut boobs. You know, but there you go. He seemed to go with it. <laughs> it just it happens, you know. Yeah. Um, what a better place to than the yeah, awesome comic. Exactly. Podcast, you know. Exactly. Uncut. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, yeah, no, so... it's a really great format, man. I listened to Mill Mouse oh, the other cheers. day, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I really, I really like it. Um, and I know we've had a little chat beforehand, but I might have a few sort of surprises along the way. So we'll see. I hope so. I see hope what we so. think. That's what it's yeah. all about. Um, so, uh, speaking of which, uh, first question that everybody's asked on comics for the apocalypse. Yeah. What type of apocalypse would you like to be in, or or what type of apocalypse do you think you'd survive in? Yeah, this is a strange one, isn't it? You know, you could always yes. choose the one where there's no more bananas or something like that, and uh, <laughs> the ketchup runs out. But I decided to go for there's an old 70s TV series, and you've seen it. I think you're a bit younger than me, Sam. But the uh, called the Survivors. Have you ever heard the of survivors. it? Survivors. I have heard of the Survivors, but I don't. I don't really know the ins and outs of it. I reckon I recommend it to anyone who's into The Walking Dead. It's basically The Walking Great. Dead without zombies. Oh. So um, I think it's something like 90 percent of the world die of a disease. And the rest have to sort of fight to survive. But as with all sort of good zombie fiction, it's not the zombies that are the problem. It's the other humans. And that's what they mm -hmm. come across. So I kind of like that where everyone leaves me alone and I might learn to play the harmonica or something and read a load of comics. Brilliant. And um, with, But with less sort of um, rabies and TB and stuff like that because they're always dying of rabies and TB in that series. But uh, yeah, it's a bit like Day of the Triffids know. without any plants. Right. So, okay. so, so London becomes a bit feudal and, you know, sure. rats everywhere. And so they all escape to the country and they try and start farms. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do that. And, and because there's no, you know, what's it, well, there's no computers back then, but there's no computers now. They actually have to find books to learn how to farm or, you know, make right. blankets or, you know, um, 
all, all the things that you know, you and I can't do. You know, we, no, we, yeah. we could we couldn't do. You know, exactly. um, there isn't there aren't YouTube videos where you can exactly, learn how yeah. to you know use a combine harvester. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's a few faces in you. Right? Carolyn Seymour, if you know her, she was in a couple of Star Treks. And okay. She, yeah, she's a recognisable face. There's a few people in it. Everyone's sort of got. They're either like proper rough Cockney or carrot accents or nice. their um, proper BBC enunciation. You know, it's yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it ran for four years. There's four series of it. It's, pre- it's pretty oh, right. bleak. Very. Everyone remembers okay. the rabies episode, but uh, I'd right. kind of like that where I could just go and live on a farm somewhere and like maybe with a couple of rifles and just, you know, take pot shots at anyone who came near the land and just read a lot of X-Men. Nice. That's kind of, yeah. I think by about, when if it happened now by about 2052 i'd have read all the unread comics i own oh yeah uh, my, got a long, yeah. Long list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got a couple of long boxes here in front of me yeah Still so that's kind of that's kind of yeah that's kind of where i go with it um i don't know what anyone i've only heard really milmo's one but i don't know what anyone else has said but it's kind of zombies aren't that fun are they no well um i, th- I think that they're, they're fun for kind of a an, an, an afternoon in like uh, <laughs> you know one of those real yeah. world uh, games that you can play, you know, yeah. you can do this. These zombie zombie experiences now, can't you? Yeah. Um, maybe it'd be fun for for an afternoon, but kind of for life, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like an it's, afternoon in Croydon. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just just ju- just get the DLR out of there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Croydon recently and sat in a uh, Starbucks, and a woman sat next to me. It was clearly a bit strange, and she had a balloon tied to her head. Really? She was ever so friendly. I sort of chatted to her, but she had a. I thought you, I said, you got a balloon tied to your head. She just just said, "Yeah, well, that's cool." Fair enough. That's yeah. uh, that's Croydon for you, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> straight up. Um, and and funnily enough, that kind of your your apocalypse is fairly similar to Dan's. Oh right, um, okay. Because because yeah. uh, at this point, uh, Dan's episode hasn't aired yet, but it I would have. Heard it yet. Yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. Um, when when this episode airs, he he actually went for the stand by Stephen King. Oh, okay. He likes that. So, he likes that book. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's fairly similar to kind of what you're saying. Uh, okay. Um, in terms of kind of, there's a, there's a virus that wipes out like 9% of the population. Yeah. Basically. But it's, it's humans are the problem. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, in, in your escape from uh, London to your farm out in the country, um, <laughs> you had to grab a load of comics. Um, yeah. And uh, they're, they're, they're specific comics in your mind so um you you firstly grab the comic that you first remember enjoying and and what is that comic yeah this is a tough one because i'm obviously very old um (laughs) and i really can't remember the first thing i read um the thing i probably remember the most is, is is a comic called mighty world of marvel which was a um it actually started out as colour and then became black and white. I didn't start reading it till it was black and white, but it was right. reprints of American um, Silver Age, late Silver Age, early Bronze Age comics in black and white from Marvel. Um, so we had um, Spider-Man and the Hulk and the Fantastic Four. Some of them ran like Conan, the Avengers, Master of Kung Fu, Doc Savage, Silver Surfer, and all this sort of thing. So oh, I, I was always sort of pleased because I'm slightly too young to have remembered the initial sort of burst of comics from marvel i did experience them firsthand by reading them in the british black and white reprints if that makes sense so yeah, yeah totally. 
and, and we'll, t- I mean, we'll talk about this in a bit, but some of these images are sort of are literally sort of burnt into my retina where I read them over and over again. And these these would come out weekly. So Marvel, Might World of Marvel, I think when I started reading it, had the Hulk. I can't remember what the backups were. Maybe Fantastic Four and something else. But there was only four or five pages. I mean, they all had letters pages and, you know, usual sort of English comics mazes and toys you could buy yeah. and all this sort of thing in them. Um, but it was all the classics. It was... Um, uh, John Romita Sr. on Spider-Man and it was um, uh, uh, Kirby and Ditko and, and, and all these sort of Buscema especially. I remember a lot of Buscema from back then. Um, and, and, and I sort of experienced them. And Marvel UK would sort of jump about and reprint them. And I, I think it's David Michelini who was a Marvel and a DC writer. Um, he, as a young a young lad sort of editor, his own, he said, I, I was in charge of the Marvel it wasn't called Marvel UK at the time. It was just sort of the UK end of Marvel. Mm. He said, I was in charge of Marvel in the UK and the translations, or not the translations, the, the reprints. And he said, the only thing I had to do was translate the word, take put the word, the letter U into things like colour and yes. stuff like that. He said, yeah, that was yeah, my job. Classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> just put U and S's in like yeah. organisation. Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you read some of them, they're interesting because um, obviously when they were running uh, four or five pages, maybe up to six pages a week, they obviously didn't have the initial intro splash page. So they actually had some right. new pages drawn for them. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so there's some unique art there. There is, yeah, and some unique yeah. covers as well. I'm a big um, master of kung fu collector, so I, I collect like foreign editions and stuff like that. And um, so I've collected all the, the Marvel UK weeklies of that because they ran different covers and different intro pages and stuff like that. So somebody would be sort of ghosting Galacy's style or um, Jim Starlin's style and stuff like that. And it's, it's quite interesting to see sometimes. So I would probably say that would be what it is. Um, they were magazine size. So I used to roll them up and stick them in the back of my pocket and get on my bike as a kid. It's that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So there you go. And any particular kind of stories that kind of jump out at you? Yeah, the, I think I really, really took to the Herb Trimpey, Len Wein, Hulk stories um, and things like Sasquatch um, and um, the uh, first Wolverine story, which was written by Len Wein, which is, I think he appears in the last issue of, in the American series, issue 180, and then from there onwards. Um, and they were, it was basically sort of, the Hulk was kind of, I think kind of the Hulk's like almost an entry drug for kids, I think, sometimes, yeah. because he's this sort of fairly simplistic story. I know they've mm-hmm. over, overcomplicated it perhaps recently, but he sort of tr- jumps around the country bashing up the abomination or, you know, some the next month, the Valk, you'll fight Valkyrie in one, and then they'll jump to yeah. another bit of America and he'll fight someone, you know, Thunderbolt Ross will attack him with some machine he's built or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um and it was kind of just this cool thing. It had a sort of there was a little bit of social context to it about you know the homeless people of the world and you know the downtrodden and stuff like that. And occasionally, you know, it probably had a bit a big effect on me. Len Wein was sort of a very sort of socially aware guy um, and, and really interesting. And I know Herb Trimpey's art's always stayed with me because that I've always really enjoyed his art. Um, yeah, I think probably them, if, if I had to say. Yeah, I've, I've bought them the American version since and bought the black and white essential and all that sort of stuff. You know, because we're all freaks, aren't we? You know. Yeah. You're collecting <laughs> collector freaks. We are, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Out, yeah. So so much stuff accumulating now. It's it's just it gets more and more out of hand. <laughs> it, <laughs> it does, really doesn't does. it? Yeah, it really yeah, does. Yeah. I'm a bit worried about the um, my house sinking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little or bit like worried about that collapsing or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Excellent. Um, so, uh, as as you are rummaging through your long boxes, you're looking <laughs> for the for the funniest or or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most before kind of scarpering off to your farm. And uh, and which comic is that? Yeah, this is a difficult one, isn't it? I don't know. Um, have you done this one yourself yet, Sam? Have you have you no, written your own list yet? I haven't. I haven't written my own list yet. Yeah, um, I, I might do one day. Yeah, we need to do that one. It's, 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 to... I, I should do it as a special at some point. Yeah, because um, I even was, was it Roy? Episode one hundred. We were talking about um, desert on this. Roy Plumley, I think he did two, didn't he? I think he, they actually he got his friends in who to do an interview. I think Eamon Holmes come on and interviewed him. So I think it's worth oh, doing, right. worth thinking about. Yeah, oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll certainly think about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know about you, but I found it difficult to think of a comic that actually made me laugh out loud. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I, um, and then I remembered a comic that um, he's a character who sort of jumps about and you don't really see enough. Um, is his real name, apparently, it depends on wh- which comic you read because it, it takes it, it's very sort of scatological and irreverent. But his real name is Erwin Schwab and he's the ambush bug. Um, I don't know whether people know about this character because he's not, yeah, he's I, not I, I hadn't come across it until, oh, until okay. you, you, you sent it. So I was really yeah. interested to read, read about him. Uh, oh, nice one, his, uh, his origin and things. So, yeah, tell us more. So I, I was sending you some panels earlier as well, actually, on yes, the, the yeah, DMs, yeah, which yeah, will make yeah. me They're chuckle. Brilliant. They're brilliant. Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah, him and Darkseid when <laughs> yeah. karaoke-ing. Yeah, yeah. It's but he's, usual um... to be killed by someone or something <laughs> like that. Is that, that what it was? It's something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> It's like, class. Everybody's like legged it out of the bar because they're like, this isn't going well. Yeah, dark scene is, is if this doesn't go well. Yeah. Am I meant to applaud? Yeah, it's like that, isn't exactly. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he's a character who's created by one of my favourite creators, who's a guy called Keith Giffin, who um, he's, I think I first came across Keith Giffin when he was doing uh, The Defenders. And I thought, oh, this is a strange style. It's like he, he started off almost a bit like a Kirby kind of style to him in the same way that mm-hmm. Barry Windsor Smith when he was just Barry Smith started out as a sort of a little bit little bit of a Kirby clone um and he then moved on to uh, I'm gonna say the next time I saw him was um Legion of Superheroes he did the Great Darkness saga um and then um he he did um DC Comics Presents issue 52 in 1982 which was Ambush Bug um and he's Ambush Bug he's everyone thinks that Deadpool leads the way in sort of irreverent winking at the camera, saying ridiculous stuff, breaking the fourth wall kind of stuff. But it's not Ambush Bug was de- like a decade before he did that. You know, um, he's a kind of I kind of see him a little bit as an antidote to the grimness that was in DC Comics in the sort of you know mid eighties when you had mm. Legends of the Dark Knight and Watchmen and stuff like that because he's he's totally irreverent to everything he does. Um, he's 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 at the same time totally aware of the madness of his surroundings and his own sort of madness but he is also like totally nuts he, he, you know there's no telling what he's going to do there and he is kind of just there to cause trouble i suppose he's kind of the court jester of the dc universe or sort of jumping about um he he does the whole sort of breaking the fourth wall crossing over into the real world you know and um he, he sometimes carries around a doll that he believes is a real person or pretends at least pretends to believe is a real person. And it's his sidekick and calls him cheeks, the toy wonder, which doesn't actually do anything <laughs> sort of thing. Um, 
And I kind of think we need a little bit of the ambush bug occasionally in comics because it sort of takes the, you know, everyone's so serious all takes the time, the aren't they? Off, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a few people at DC when um, the Image Revolution started and everyone was saying stuff through gritted teeth. Must have thought, right. thank fuck, we've got the ambush bug just to take the piss out of all this sort of thing. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, he could have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he could. I mean, he could almost have been. I was going to choose something by Dave Sim to talk to you about, and I didn't in the end. But I, he's almost a character in Cerebus. I'm going to say there's there's is almost that crossover element to him, you know, like a Lord Julius kind of character or something like right. that. But um, he looks like a weird. It's hard to tell. It looks like po- probably a costume. Um, Keith Giffen style sort of lends itself to um, sort of strange. It certainly is more recent style. This sort of there's no sort of defined superhero costume going on it looks it looks like a bit like a sort of saggy costume that he wears and he looks a bit like uh, maybe bug from anyone knows bug from um guardians of the galaxy and before that uh micronauts he's a, mm. he's a there's a little bit of the touch of that he's got the sort of antennae sticking up um and he just sort of finds himself in bizarre circumstances um he gets hit on by an older lois lane in a comic i read today i was trying to sort of I thought oh, really? yeah wow. Who sort of lifts her leg and said, "I used to be a woman," and you're thinking, "Right, where's this going?" I'm not actually sure. And then it's sort of, sort of, <laughs> what are we saying here? And then it sort of skips over to something else where he meets a turtle who's drawing pictures of him, and they're just, just uh, like, to- it's like the young ones or something like that. It appeals to my, um, my sort of sense of sort of um, ridiculous humour, I suppose, of that sort, that sort and of thing. anarchy. <laughs> yes, total, total anarchy. Yeah, yes, yeah, so he's, he's the Brilliant. Spike Milligan, I suppose, put it that way. Of the there you go of the superhero world. Yeah, and we and I'd like to see him. I think he, the only thing you can find in Comicsology I looked it up earlier is Ambush Bug Year, Na, Year None, which made me laugh. Um <laughs> from good. from 2006 is I think the only thing that's on Comicsology, but it's worth reading. It's still yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's oh, still alright. Yeah, yeah. So so you take uh, Ambush Bug Year None. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I take. I take that mini series. I think it's six issues, so I take that. Oh, yeah. nice. There you go. That's a, that's a decent amount. It gets um, a bit spicy in that one because he gets married oh, really? and he's a bit afraid about doing the thing when you get married yeah yeah it's a bit of a strange one but uh, yeah like his whole thing is that he's meant he's basically mentally unwell (laughs) yeah he has mental health issues basically (laughs) yeah Um, Yeah, from from what i gathered and i know people will be going that's outrageous laughing at someone mental health issues but some people i'm gonna say it some people with mental health issues can be quite funny yeah, for you sure. Know. Yeah. And, and actually, it's kind of, I mean, I, I don't know when uh, Ambush Bug actually started, but that's kind of actually quite good foresight. Like, if it started in the 80s, I think maybe you said. Yeah, it was, yeah, 82. So, yeah. you know, kind of raising, you know, mental health issues at that time, you know, it's... Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no... there was no um, progressive. Yeah, these are these people who write this stuff. I, I met Keith Giffen at New York um year before last, and I've always been a, a huge fan of his. I didn't know he was there. And he was on the Heroes Initiative table, and uh, he's got he's got quite a reputation, Keith Giffen, of being a little bit grumpy and and not really being that chatty to fans and podcasters and stuff like that. And I said, "Ah, oh, I'm big fan. Like, sign this, will you?" And he was like, and he was an absolute joy. I had a picture with him and all this sort of thing. And uh, yeah, and he was all right, but he, certainly he would be someone who would be very much aware of that sort of thing. I'm sure. Yeah, he's a bit of a sort of he's got he's got a touch of a sort of grumpy old hippie about him. You know what I mean? So he's sort nice. of. Uh, You'd be doing it for the right reason, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. there you go. Excellent. Um, so when when you do grab your uh, your copy your copy of uh, Ambush Bug Year None, um, you then look <laughs> for for the saddest or most upsetting comic 
um, just so that kind of you know you can reflect on these things. Um, and, and and what comic would you grab? Yeah, this is another one that I had trouble with. I don't know if you sort of thought what you would do for this, Sam, but it's a real difficult one. Yeah, the sad I've got comic. one. Have you? Yeah, yeah. You don't, yeah. We'll yeah, save I'll that. I'll keep that close to my chest, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going to try and be like a funny bastard and say Aquaman the movie because it's so sad that anyone, <laughs> so many people went and saw it and enjoyed it because it's a load of old toot. But uh, I didn't go with that in the end. So I went with um, an issue of Scout. Um, right. This um, this is written by Jason Aaron, art by um, Daniel Danigel Zazelj is the art I'm reading that, and uh, Guilia Brusca on colours, both sort of very relevant to this issue. Um, now, um, I'm, I'm, as a sort of intro to this, I remember as a kid I, and, and as a teenager, um, my dad was a, a big um, reader of the history of Indigenous people of North America and you know, America right. and Canada. And um, I remember he lent me a book to read, which is a book called Bury My Heart, A Wounded Knee by Dee Brown. Um, which I don't know if any of you've heard of it or any of the listeners. This is the, the most heartbreaking book you'll, you'll possibly read about the history of the American West wow. from the sort of 19th century on. And how the indigenous people were sort of just treated so utterly terribly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really um, bad. Yeah, it is, it is, it is terrible. But um, and so anything, and it, it is a tragic subject. And I'm drawn to tragic characters, tragic stories. You know, I don't know why. It's just a, it's something that is is an interesting way to write something i think sometimes and you know well we need a bit of the tragic in our lives sometimes i think you know yeah um so i was drawn to scout when jason aaron i heard him on an interview talking about it i think with john suntris um i'm a big fan of the word balloon podcast and friends with john now and 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 uh, jason aaron is um probably one of my favorite writers to come out of um indie into the mainstream for you know just a lot of the last 20 years and it's a book that um have you read it dude have you or I have not, no. Um, well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm eager to read that. Yeah, I'd really, yeah. really recommend it. I would really recommend it. It's, 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 and I think, I hate to say this, it's become a TV series, but in, isn't everything? Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, it goes with that to fairly easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, what it does is it, it kind of, it's, it's a crime noir book, um, really, and explores the um, exploitation of the, um, the, the reservations. And I don't know if you know this, but the reservations aren't managed in America by the local police. They're they're managed federally because they are just they're so like I mean technically they are they're so like the Wild West and they're so dangerous um, that the local police can't handle it. So the FBI actually have officers stationed at the reservations, and I think mostly because they have um, uh, casinos and stuff at them. And it explores the sort of world, the dirty sort of corrupt world of the casino. Um, the methamphetamine heroin in, 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 that's in you know um, sold on these reservations, the violence, the sexual violence, and just this sort of totally brutal lifestyle, and it's um, a really really gritty book that is just so well told um, on all different levels. And um, if you read the first issue, you'll find the spoiler out at the end of the first issue is that the the main character is an, an undercover cop who goes into this reservation and um, right. things don't go well for him, but it is, it's really, really, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but what, but what happens is by issue 35, you have been put through the ringer in this book. It is like nonstop bleak. You're like, Christ, wow. what is going on? And what um, Jason Aaron does, cause he's that clever bastard. Do you know what I mean? He, he presses pause on the maiden story Um and he puts a single issue story in um, about an elderly couple who live on one of the they live on the outskirts of one of the reservations. Um, and they are th- they're this old couple who live together. They live alone. 
and and they're really poor and they live under the flight path of the local air force base um in fact they and they sort of joke with each other as a plane flies over the little in joke is they'll go that's an f-35 and his wife will go no i think that's an f-16 and it's like it's just like they're the most touching couple you know um but they are so they're struggling so much financially and the winter's really set in and the snow's there and this sort of thing and the husband eventually um they're laying under the blankets, freezing cold at night. And then he says, I think I'll go into town tomorrow. And, and the wife knows that that is him saying he's going to go to the, the local food bank. And he's, right. he's finally sort of got the courage, well, not got the courage, but, you know, sucked up his dignity a bit and has decided yeah. to go and do that. Um, and something happens and it, it really, it's a real sort of plays with your emotions kind of book. And I read it again today and I teared up reading it again today is literally the saddest book. Um, There's there's a revelation at some point in it, which I won't ruin you because I I recommend you read this. It's it's so sounds amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I, I looked at the artwork and everything beforehand and I mean, it looks uh, looks amazing and kind of the the, the type, the style of art um, certainly leans into uh, the the poverty that they kind of be in. um, Yeah. And uh, the emotion that's kind of wrapped up yeah in i mean it's it's a different it's a change of artists because the, the normal artist on the series was um rm guira whose whose style isn't that far distant but is is more caricature um more um 100 bullet style art right. but this the start of it is um it borders on um angular um there's moments that are uh, like very nearly abstract you know Mm. Um, and he plays about with there's very little happens i mean there's whole tranches that are just their faces talking to each other and stuff like that um but and there's there's a moment you think it can't possibly get any worse and then, and then something happens and you think oh dear you know and it, it's, it's and it yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 hate those stories you're like oh, I can't <laughs> yeah it does yeah <laughs> and oh, uh, guilia brusco's colors he uses like um a one wash color on some pages so you get a tone a tone shift on maybe a red across a whole page right, um wow. that's kind of the lights the lights from the planes playing on the them in the hat it's, it's it's really well done I, I, if you get the um collections I don't know about the hardbacks because I haven't got them, but I've got the, yeah. I bought the trades as well. So yeah. if you go to trade seven, it actually starts. It's the first issue in trade seven. If you wanted to get it, if you find that cheaper right. than finding a single issue, but it is on Comicsology. You can buy it on there, so it is available on there. And I would think you'd probably find a, a Comic Mart or a, a local sort of back issue. You'd probably find this issue quite easily. Um, but as a whole, I would rec- highly recommend Scout. It is just an amazing series. It's one, it's, it's one of those, I know people harp on about it, but where the, the Vertigo do really well, they do um, a, a series, but it is limited to 60 or 70 issues or something. I think this was 60. Right. And you know it's got a beginning and an end. A bit like sort of Preacher did and um, yeah, Sandman sure. did and stuff like that. You know, It's, 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 be, it's a beautiful series. And um, you can see why Aaron is, is such... Uh, having met him, I think it was at Thought Bubble a couple of years ago, and he's such a sweet guy as well. He's like he's a bit of a sort of gentle giant character. Um, if you can find thing by him, I have, to, I have to say it's all it's all good stuff. Yeah. Well worth it. Fantastic. There you go. That's um, and then uh, changing gears from kind of saddest, we go to scariest or most uh, horrifying yeah. comic. Which one do you grab out of your long box? Yeah, this is the one I was going to. Um, I was going to go for the obvious and go for something like Swamp Thing, or you know something like that. And I thought right. I mean, these have been talked about a lot, you know, and I think. 
everyone knows about Alan Moore's Swamp Thing or Len Wein's Swamp Thing, and everyone knows about I don't know Sandman or you know or that sort of thing or or Tomb of Dracula or something. But so I thought I'd choose something that um, is scary for another reason. So I went with um, Chernobyl, um, uh, The Zone, which is a book out of Centrale. It's written by Francisco Sanchez, art by Natasha Bustos. Um, I, I'm sort of friendly with um, Centrale, and they they make some interesting stuff they really do push the limits of what is a comic and what's not and what is Brilliant. crazy and what's not and all this sort of thing and i like i like they're they're out there taking chances and um this is the one book of theirs that i i would happily recommend to nearly everyone who says you know what can i read what's interesting and stuff like that it's 188 pages black and white um and for those of us to remember the 26th of april 1986 is when chernobyl happened and it went active yeah. um and this book is about is about that place um, and about the families from around there and about some people who return to it and they see the sort of I mean, the inhumanity of humanity type stuff um, and you just see what a human can do to another one and it's got a sort of sinister beauty to it when they return and there's the, the cover image is, is of a ferris wheel um, with all the plants have overgrown it and um I mean, this thirty years. This was written on the thirty-year anniversary, and there's 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 a really interesting introduction which gives you some history to it, which is is a really interesting part. And there's a, there's the introduction is the, probably the most touching bit, or the the prologue about a family, and they discover the horses is it, the 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 foal that is born is mutated, and they're not really going to live there, and they're beginning to feel ill and stuff like that. And then uh, and then um, a modern some a group of modern friends move in there, so it's not full of monsters and it's not full of zombies, but it's definitely like this. This place that for thousands of years from now on it will it won't be habitable you know and it's yeah. uh because we Still did something <laughs> yeah exactly and it's, yeah. it's because we did this sort of stupid ridiculous thing um and there's some great sort of um landscapes and vistas and stuff like that um that natasha draws in it um and there's also a lot of emotion through the faces she plays really well with wordless pages about them traveling through the zone as it were um, and looking at the block of flats and you know trying to make in make their way into it and there's a great scene where the the male character towards the end they climb up the stairs they take their chances and climb up the stairs of this sort of old block of flats old sort of soviet block of flats and they find like a drawing that someone's done of the um the fact the nuclear power factory and stuff like that and they and he, he thinks back about how that happened and stuff and it, yeah it's really touching um it's it's still available i checked today it's still available through their website and i think they do do a lot of the small press shows i know they do lcaf every year um and they do safari and stuff like that and it's worth um worth catching up with um centrala they're um unorthodox put it that way well, that's <laughs> always strange. good to kind of yeah it's even good to push your, so. your own limits of what you think you like because it's yeah. easy to kind of end up just kind of going for one particular type of of comic mm. um but you really do need to just try and push your own limits um so yeah yeah that's a that's a great great recommend and it's a long it's a long read um it is a, it's a dense read and uh but it'll educate you as well yeah. i'm not i'm never really frightened by comics i'm often a little bit disturbed you know mm. those of us who've read stuff like crossed or something like that you know right. it's yeah i don't really need to read about people being beaten to death with a horse stick or something but <laughs> yeah it's a little bit disturbing. i almost did a book called scars by warren ellis and jason burrows which is um about a child murder, I thought that's too bleak. So I chose something about loads of people dying in their nuclear explosion. Yeah, that, like, Instead, yeah. nuclear explosion is that's fine. fine. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Child, Highly child recommended. I think I think, people, I think people would dig it. I did. Um, 
I did a review uh, for Down the Tubes a couple of years ago, and I think it got sort of reposted in a couple of um, Polish newspapers and translated and stuff like that, which is quite it's quite pleased of. It's, it's, it's only a book that evokes emotion, you know, when you read it. It really does. Um, Very much so. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's, obviously it's based on a real event. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, there's real stakes with that. Um, exactly, yeah. Kind of, you know, trying to show respect to uh, everybody that went through it and is still going through it and is still affected yeah. by it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and then cool. kind of talking of uh, deep um, <laughs> questions, um, the, the, the next comic that you think that you need to grab out your long box is, is the most meaningful comic to you, um, yeah. which is... Yeah, you put me through, you're putting me through it around this. Is I don't, I don't, people <laughs> behind the curtain, but we only talked about me coming on yesterday and you, you sort of said exactly. these things. You really smashed it, mate. I around. Because you said, when can you do? And I, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit home alone this week. So I said, oh, I can do this week. What about tomorrow? And you went, okay. I thought, oh, now, now I've got to do all this writing. Um, <laughs> do it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's easy when you're just reading good comics, aren't you? But I tried to think about what is what ha- has held meaning for me and what I've I've thought about over the years. And mm. um, I, I'm going to start this by saying, I dare you to find a better character in comics than Ben Grimm, the thing. I've, I've sure. always thought he's a sort of incredibly strong sort of tr- slightly again tragic slightly tragic heroic mm. but heroic very you know, tragic yeah yeah, yeah funny but he's also sad you know um a sort of lovable as well character you know he's, he's that one character you can always depend on you know mm. um and he's also a good guy he's a good bloke he's never he's never sort of let me down um so i went for um fantastic 451 which is this man this monster um the which it is it's an amazing comic it really is just from page one i mean page one is that iconic image of him standing in the rain um and it just speaks so much just to that single that single image to his character you know i mean i don't know what you think but i've always thought of um i don't know i've kind of translated it in my own head i've always thought of i know they did a what if like this but i've always thought that kirby was the thing and and um Stanley was Mr. Fantastic Reed. You know, that's that's where I've kind that's, of. That's, it's probably like the closest yeah. analogy that we can we can find in probably the reality. Yeah, is, yeah, and um, he's this sort of brawler and honest guy, and he's he stands by his friends. And um, it, to sort of spell the story out, he starts. Um, it starts with him. He's obviously feeling a bit down, and they just come through, like at being put through the ringer so you've had the inhuman saga you've had um galactus and the silver surfer and and i think off the top of my head i think the the annual came in where reed married sue so he's kind of feeling maybe a bit on the outside at this point you know um and it's he's he's this is where kirby and it's and stan and stan and everyone put stan down but this is where i think they're a genius is the, mm. the, the, he's in the rain and he's standing there and you think what is he doing is he staring at something is he watching someone is he just like depressed or whatever is going on with him and a cop car pulls up and in any other kind of um right on fiction in the 70s or even now the cops would probably get out and hassle him wouldn't they you know he'd probably get searched or you know something like that would happen or you know they they beat him up or plant evidence on him or you know something that is a sort of lazy go-to for a story sure. these days um but what they do is they say to him you're right and, and he says yeah and they said would well, you want to lift it's raining you know we can take you home and he says no you're right thanks and i thought that that's just stan and jack just playing out a nice moment and i really appreciate that and if you were a, a police officer i presume who live who work near the Baxter building, you'd kind of like the thing, wouldn't you? He'd be that guy. Yeah, He'd be that yeah. sort of blue collar guy, you know? Um, so he, um, he sort of conveniently sort of wanders into a house, um, which is owned by a guy. Have you read this issue, Sam? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Uh, I, I hadn't fully read it. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew the story before, and yeah. then kind of, you know, uh, reading up on it uh, mm. today um, kind of like reminded me of yeah. the story, basically. Okay. Well, it's, it's weird because the guy who um, is this sort of secret villainous scientist, his head looks a bit like a flesh version of the thing. It's just bizarre. I don't, even as a kid, I remember reading this. I think I read it in one of those um, Treasury editions. I think it's where I first read it. And I thought, why does his head look like the thing? He's even got the sort, you know, where the thing's got these sort of strange eyebrows, isn't he? You know, yeah, yeah, sort of lumpy. Sure. His, this <laughs> bloke's head is shaped like that. It's just strange. And so he drugs the thing, which he puts something in his coffee. And I'm thinking, even then I was thinking, how's he going to do that? Um, yeah. And the thing sort of says, oh, I'm going to have a sleep on your couch. And uh, this sort of strangest couch. And uh, he, he pulls, literally pulls out of a wardrobe a um, th- th- one of those sort of Kirby machines, you know, just sort of folds out like a folding bed yeah. out of this wardrobe. And he sticks this thing on the thing's head and transfers the thing's powers to him. And uh, he becomes the thing, basically. And even though um, Reed has obviously went to college with Ben, the um, Ben arrives at the Baxter building and says, that man's a fake, he's a charlatan, he's stolen my powers. And, and, the, the, and the villain sort of talks Reed into thinking this bloke's just a lookalike and he's winding him up. And even then, I think, the, yeah, that's stretching it a bit, Stan. I'm not sure I'm going with that bit, mate. <laughs> Pushing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so he, he's a little bit bereft because i think back then the thing never really wanted to be the thing he was all this sort of un- ugly lump oh, of yeah. stone and he and he and he always wanted to see go back to human and some some sometimes reed managed it and sometimes he didn't and sometimes changed back so he sort of um while this is going on he, he decides well, i'm going to go around and see alicia um who interesting enough he's just married isn't he in in, in the current continuity um i think about a month ago but the um whilst that's happening the imposter um is helping Reed do an experiment in the negative zone and Reed gets sucked in and the rope breaks. So the thing sort of dives in after him, the imposter thing dives in after him. And he real and you see in this moment, it's a really, a really nice moment where they're stuck on this sort of lump of earth and it's flying towards this, this, the version of the sun in the negative zone. And the thing says, no, you're a, you're a good man. I'm going to save you. And he throws Reed back through the portal and thus, you know, sensing himself to death, you know, sacrificing himself to this, this thing. And, uh, and as this is happening, um, uh, Ben is about to knock on the door of Alicia's home and his hand changes back to rock. And Kirby does it so well, you, you realise that, you know, you realise this transformation is happening just through the hand knocking on the door and changing back. And um, things are kind of back to normal again. Um, and it's, you, but you feel for both the villain and for the thing in this, in Ben Grimm in this. This is a really interesting story. It's It's, it's got some real depth now if they did a if they did a one and done like this now people would be going nuts for it you know it's, oh, yeah. it's that yeah. it's that quality so it's written by stan art by jack inks by joe sinnett and letters um by Artie simic uh Artie does some great le- um lettering actually there's some great sort of title design on it as well i think which i, I presume is Artie. i'm not sure but yeah yes. I, I really liked jack and joe i think they they made a great sort of combination in their art and stuff like that um so meaningful be that i suppose it's, it's another one it's, oh, i know we mentioned earlier where the a lot of the images are properly burned into my mind as remembering them. There's a bit where um, when Ben is confronting imposter thing and he says, you're not the thing, I'm the thing. And he says, well, can you do this? And he sort of crushes this metal tube. And I remember that so well. It's just like so amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. 
that's that's so that's kind of me. I'm I'm a, I'm a big a big Kirby fan. I'm a big Stan Lee fan as well. My dog's sure. I name my dog after Stan. But uh, oh, the uh, I, th- I think I don't think I don't think they ever got better together than the Fantastic Four. It, it really is my well, favourite of this. Yeah, that's where yeah. it all really started. Yeah, I think so. And uh, where it really kind of took off. Um, yeah. And 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 why does that particular comic uh, mean something to you? I don't know. I suppose because it's the combination of something that was meaningful that. I kind of read at a young age, but I kind of got in my own sort of young way and has stayed with me. And I still reread it now. Um, I must have, I don't know, four or five versions of it in various different formats, you know. Brilliant. Um, and, I, and I read it and it's still a great story. It's, it's actually quite a short read. And like the one we had in Scout, it was one that sort of pressed pause on what was going on in the roller coaster that was the Fantastic Four's life, you know, it sort of mm. inserted itself between stories. And I think that's probably why. I think I think I think very very highly of it is because it's um, and we're we're all in it for the nostalgia to a certain extent, aren't we? We all read comics mm-hmm. from when we were kids, you know. When it, whether it's Action Force or whether it's you know the Fantastic Four or whether it's a, um, a manga we read as a kid or something like that. But yeah, I think part of that is yeah, just remembering that time when I was a kid and reading the Fantastic Four over and over again. I mean, the Treasury Edition I still got from when I was a kid and it's totally sort of dog-eared and destroyed, you know. Oh, um, that's great though. Yeah, that's 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 my one for that's that one. Kind of show it, show its age and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, show that show that it's been it's been used. It's been read. Yeah. you know, it hasn't yeah, just stayed exactly. in its cellophane. It's oh, um, I'm a big one for that. I don't believe uh, as well. Or oh, do, yeah. do do both. Yeah, <laughs> I've one for mucking up and one for staying in its. Uh, in its yeah, range. I remember a, a friend of mine came out. I'm, I'm actually just I'm actually just read my comics. I've, uh, there's very few that I back and board, but a friend of mine came out of the house and he started a room with it. I'd. Um, I, I bought two comics uh, once, one to read and one to, to backing board, because that's the, the sort of presumption people have of us geeks, don't they? That we sort of mm. never take your toys out of the boxes, you know, it's almost <laughs> like that, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a great comic and uh, uh, worth reading. I was really pleased, actually. We did um, a Stanley um, episode recently and we wanted to do something differently. So I gifted yeah. uh, Vince and Dan a volume of the Fantastic Four. In fact, it's, it's the volume that leads directly up to this issue. And the boys really enjoyed it. They really, they really did. And yeah. I, I'm glad to see that Stan. Stan and Jack stands up so well, you know. Ah, oh, totally, yeah. totally, always yeah. will. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so uh, moving on to on to our next comic, um, you try to think of the the most underrated comic that you've got in your long boxes. Uh, which do you yeah. do you grab? Yeah, yeah, this is another hard one. Um, this I've got. I wrote your questions down. I keep in like a notebook for writing stuff, right. comics and reviews, and I wrote them down. I, I travelled around with it in my back pocket. And this is the one with the most crossings out. So mm. um, I crossed out Sergeant Rock. I crossed out Kill Raven. I crossed out Tomb of Dracula. And I thought, no, they're too obvious. You know, they're sort of too obvious right. books that, you know, everyone would say, well, everyone talks about those, you know, and maybe they're not so underrated sort of thing. So I went with something that, <coughs> excuse me, I went with something that I read um, more recently, um, which is The Mermaid Project, which is a book that is published in a number of different formats. I read it digitally, um, although I do have a physical copy of it now. I read it digitally from Europe Comics, who we're big friends with, and um, are really sort of forging ahead with um, putting out the books from Europe that we just we just don't see, and, mm-hmm. we, and we should be seeing. And um, it's and it's just been published. The first volume's just been published physically, so it is a it does count. I can roll it up and put it in my rucksack. Um, by <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by City Book. Um, uh, now, City Books version is slightly smaller. It's smaller than magazine size, and I, I really wanted something that would show the art off. So, 
like the total freak that I am, I bought the German version of it on a trip to Berlin recently. So I've got the sort of the big album version of it, you know, um, it's script and dialogue by Leo and Corinne Jamar. Now, Leo, um, I don't know if you're aware of his work, but he did, he's currently doing a series called the survivors He's an artist as well as a writer normally. Um, and he's done, he did Alderban and, um, Beetlejuice and the most, if, if, this a series of books that just like befuddle you you get to a certain page you think what the f is that he's just drawn that's the most out of the <laughs> out of this world creature Incredible. and he's quite he's quite famous for that and he's quite famous for boobs they're the two things i think there but uh, yeah 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 if only we all had that legacy that's you know continental what I mean? but, uh, artist for you. <laughs> yeah yeah um but he's the writer so the artwork is by fred simon and the um colors are by jean-luc simon I didn't realise that until I wrote it down that they may, I suppose they might be brothers or something. Quite I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. Je ne sais yeah. Pas. And, um, sorry, man. Je ne sais pas. They said. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, it's, um, I don't know why this isn't on everyone's best of or, you know, favourites right, list wow. for the years it comes out. I, just, I really don't know. And I read it digitally in, there's five volumes of it. Um, and I read it digitally in just a couple of weeks. And they're the typical sort of European size. I think they're 48 pages each volume. Uh, just checking uh yeah 46 pages per per volume nice. um the the first thing that you notice about it is the artwork it's um it's that sweet spot for me where it's um the people have got like a superb grasp of physique and physicality and architecture and animals and vehicles and stuff like that you know they know their business but they also add to it a certain amount of caricature to the facial features which act adds to the acting not quite to the extent of it being a sort of manga caricature but um you, you bond destiny gets this right you know they've they've got the, the the grotesque people are more grotesque than you would imagine right. the handsome people are often slightly more handsome you know this mm-hmm. sort of thing uh, and slightly exaggerated yeah exactly Everybody yeah is. yeah 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 and the the um the the a panel of this could be an issue for comics sometimes there's that much detail in wow. it i mean i'm looking at there's a page here with eight uh, nine panels in it um and one panel has easily got 20 people drawn in it wow. um and it's sort of that level <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah it's set in paris mostly this well certainly the start of it the one that i'll be taking with me is set in paris um and he, the, the top of the eiffel tower is broken down and, and but what they so what you get that and then you realize what you've got is a um uh a future-based ecological thriller um and as part of that ecological thriller you've got the suspicion i won't ruin anything that happens but you've got a suspicion there may be human experiments dolphin experiments maybe a hybrid um you get sort of killer whales and uh, humpback whales and um turtles and all, all the, the everything that goes on under the sea um is in this book i, I actually read this because I, I really enjoyed cathargo and I, I thought this is sort of similar looking but the world beyond that is much more sort of richly conceived um that even that suggests and what they've what um the writers and the artists have done is they've um reversed social uh, social norms so the underclass are whites in paris and the um middle class and upper class are black people um mm. and the girl who is our heroine in it uh, for more reasons than you initially realize is a white girl who joins the, the parisian police department and is seen as a, a bit of a 
a nothing, you know, um, a bit of a silly uh, okay. girl, yeah. silly white girl who's joined, you know, trying mm-hmm. to play up. And they and they reverse that and they reverse a lot of the hierarchy of the country. And they also reverse a lot of the hierarchy of countries in the world. So, for example, Brazil is probably richer than, say, France or, you know, um, some some countries are doing better than others. And, and France is, is, is a real sort of has almost become a sort of second world, you know, sort of power sort of thing, you know, right. um, really, really clever. Um, it is absolutely enthralling and, and, and beautiful to look at. It's just, it, I was just entranced by it totally. Um, like I say, I bought it, I bought it on digital. I'd, I'd highly recommend you go to the end of it. There's so many twists and turns that I can only think they must have known what happened halfway through volume five before they even started volume one. It's that sort of clever, cunning planning mm. to it, you know? Um, yeah. And, so that's, and, that's and, it. and the title, is that kind of to do with the, uh, um, with, the, with the experiments that they're doing? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of gives it yeah. away a little bit. You right. kind of know where they're going. Um, yeah. There's there's more to her than you realise, and her brother yeah. works for this sort of big company that's experimenting on these human-dolphin hybrids. And right. there's a couple of moments you Hence go... the Mermaid Project. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, um, and at one point you go, oh, right, fuck me, here we go. Right, I get this. You know, it's a bit like that. Right, uh, it's yeah. quite violent, Connect it's quite sexual... Dots. Yeah, right. it's, it's quite violent and sexual, so it's it's a it's not an all ages choice by any any, any stretch. No, I just no, wish no, I just wish we did um, these sort of big big versions of it. I've um, like the freak that I am. I double dip on some things just to get the artwork sometimes because the, the digital's nice, but you can't sort of stick it on a shelf and hold it up and look at the whole yeah. page, you know, which is bigger than your, your your iPad or tablet page or whatever it is, you know. So exactly. yeah, so I did that. That would be underrated. I recommend people find that and. Um, You'll, you'll fall down the rabbit hole of um, Europe comics and humanoids and all these sort of people yeah, as well. I think I if really you do need that. to get into that because I've heard you guys obviously speak yeah. about Europe comics and uh, yeah, I'm going to have to uh, definitely dive into all of that. Um, yeah, it's, they, they, um, they do have some really interesting titles. Yeah, it's amazing, and I think people are beginning to get. I think I think we're at the tipping point now where it's almost like a fight to get the next big thing. Um, I know there's a, a new Jodorowsky mm. book's just come out. Um, I'm trying to think, I think it's an El Topo. It's a companion to the El Topo movie, and Jodorowsky's just put it out, and it's been bought out by Arkea. And as I understand it, I think I was I was reading something online um, from um, Tim Pilcher, who used to represent humanoids in this country, and he was saying that they couldn't have, um, humanoids couldn't afford it in Arkea. There was a bit of a bidding war. Right. So I think rather than sort of discovering books and putting them out, I think there's, we're getting to the point now where people are sort of going to have a little fight over who can put what out you know it's interesting times yeah it's interesting times isn't it Mm. yeah it really is yeah yeah a couple of interesting years ahead for sure um and so uh we're almost uh towards the end of the list yeah it has (laughs) Um, and uh you think okay so you're thumbing through all of your uh your comics now i need to find the best comic of all time what do you yeah i know you said i know milmo kicked off a bit about this saying you know (laughs) objectively <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I, I've changed the question a little bit to for you what, yeah, what yeah, what's, yeah, the, yeah. what's the best yeah. comic of all time <laughs> I get you it's hard isn't it it's like it, it's tough yeah it's tough and I, I I went backwards and forwards on this um, and like like I said I, I went with um, I tried going with Cerebus for a while and so that's an awful lot to talk about and right. some of it's quite dull um and uh, probably people will probably kick off about some of Dave Sims' opinions. Um, <laughs> and I went, I went back to the comic that I probably most have most reread in the over the years, 
and one that probably had the most effect on me growing up. So there's this whole theory, isn't there, about what you read and what you um, you like when you're 12 or 13 sticks with you for the rest of your life. Right. Okay. Have you heard this theory? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it's kind of those movies that we saw when we were that age and, you know, the books yeah. that we, you know, we started probably start reading adult books maybe around that time. Sure. Um, and for me, it was um, the sweet spot for me at the time was um, Claremont and Burns X-Men, Uncanny X-Men. Um, and I know I sent you um, Dark Phoenix Saga as um, the the book that I would most grab, but I decided to pick out a single issue, which would be, <coughs> pardon me, issue 133, um, which is Wolverine right. lashes out. Um which is the is is Wolverine. Everyone thinks, oh, Wolverine's his character. He's everywhere. He's got about five monthly issues. He's in about five comics a month. Back then, he was just in the X Men, and he was kind of a mm-hmm. bit of a side character, and he was a bit of an afterthought. From like we talked about earlier, that he'd come from a Hulk comic, and everyone went, oh yeah, I remember about him. Why don't we bring him back? And we weren't really even that sure of him for a while. I remember reading it, thinking, well, we haven't really seen his head. I wonder if his head is the shape of those weird sort of things on his mask and stuff like yeah, that, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Or did those did the claws come out of his gloves or what is he yeah, just how does like that a, work? Do they come out of his exactly. forearms or <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we didn't really know, did we? We didn't have a clue. Um and this is kind of one of the issues where he takes centre stage. I think he had been there's obviously a, there's a there's a bit a bit going on before when he was in the sewers and stuff like that. And um he he's done a couple of things, the Magneto issues, for example. Um but this is one it, it opens um with him uh, it's called um wolverine lashes out on the cover but it's actually called wolverine alone when you go into the actual issue um it's uh, written by chris claremont and john byrne they co-plotted it i know i noticed that they've started saying wow. it in this this now and john byrne penciled it and terry austin inked it um and i have to say that i think i've always thought that burns best when he's been inked by austin i know gareth hopkins will probably disagree with me because i know he does the alpha alpha podcast but uh yeah. alpha flight one but the um I really like the the it's, it's a denser image I think sometimes um, as much as I love but I, I love I love stuff Burn does now apart from those weird Star Trek photo stories he does but the um, uh, it's lettered by Ton Orsachowski and Glynis Ween who was Len Ween's wife is the colorist on it um, and edited by Jim Salicrup Jim Salicrup uh, little tip if you're friends of Jim Salicrup on Facebook he sends you a birthday message every year which really cheers me up really? I think oh wow. my god it's got a birthday message from the blog edited one of my favourite ever comics he's like the sweetest oh, guy smokes. yeah that's <laughs> a lot of time and effort yeah I know <laughs> it must be yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah yeah there you go um, well, cool I send him one back so he's a lucky man he? do you know what yeah, I mean absolutely. So, yeah <laughs> nice to be nice yeah so the Hellfire Club have um, uh, kidnapped a bunch of the X-Men including um, Jean Grey who's kind of gone a bit crazy the phoenix is kind of surfacing <laughs> she went a bit crazy this. yeah just a bit yeah just destroyed a couple of worlds you know yeah. something uh, and uh she lost her tem- temper a little bit yeah uh, and got sort of quite saucier due to it you know yeah. but there you go cool. you know, if, I, I know if i ever lose my mind i might i might start wearing uh basques suddenly but let's hope not <laughs> the uh um and I'd so like wolverine yeah i know you would yeah. <laughs> maybe you could do the uh the cosplay uh competition oh, at you know how much year. i love cosplayers um you know i love them <laughs> the yeah i'll get them proper side this is like the awesome cob pod now it's towards the end it just goes oh, badly yeah. doesn't it, it just, yeah, it just <laughs> goes off the road <laughs> um so he, info- he sort of he goes through the sewers comes into the club and and i remember reading this as a kid and he, he properly guts people he just like goes for them Brilliant. you know and, he, and he's kind of letting go 
And I remember he gets shot. And I remember even as a kid reading it, thinking, oh, because we didn't really know that he could survive bullets back then. Mm-hmm. And he gets shot and then he comes to. And um, and then at one point, I, I really loved this scene. I absolutely loved it where there's a sort of uh, a, one of these sort of weird mask soldiers. And he's he's the last one. You can see he's a bit nervous. So he puts his he puts his claws away and he says, um, try it. He, he, and, and the bloke just like bottles it. Um, but nice. of course, uh, he, he stabs him anyway, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, you know, well, there you go. And at that <laughs> point, we realised. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, at that point, we realised who Wolverine was. And it and it's and there's actually um, it's it's actually paced really well. This comic, you get bits of it that you think, oh, that it, it runs from sequences. It doesn't overcomplicate itself. I mean, I've been reading the X Men since I was a kid, and I'm. I'm I've bought them and read them nonstop, and and I think Uncanny X Men has started again recently. I think we're up to about mm. issue ten or twelve now, um, but um, it just overcomp that. I think the mistake that people make when they write an X Men comic is they think they've got to be sort of super complicated all of a sudden, and they don't. And this has got Wolverine basically on his own. Then it's got um, the captors talking and and the fact that Jean Grey is sort of hypnotised. Then we get a, a little. He's quite famous for having A, B, and C stories. Claremont. He would run. He would run a little sort of indent of another story, uh, and then we get a few sort of bits of them, and then we're back to Wolverine again, and he's um, and he and he's back to trying to save them, um, and it ends on a br- another brilliant cliffhanger, um, which is Cyclops is dead. Too, and the next issue is Too Late the Heroes, um, which goes into um, another sort of the Hellfire Club versus the X Men issue, which is a real sort of standout as well. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, it's just it's just so action-packed uh, again every panel is so well done there's a great i'm just looking at it now there's a great shot that i remember from when i was a kid where one of the soldiers holds a gun to wolverine's head and he just he just grabs his wrist and throws him you know it's like that sort of Rad. pragmatic <laughs> sudden violence that people don't expect you know because he is this brawler and he's not this sort of gentleman and you know, yeah, I always thought that was so when, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's the mistake. They, I, I love, I love the X Men movies, and I love Logan, and I love the Wolverine movies and stuff like that. But I think that's kind of when I was reading the X Men back then. I thought Jean, because he always loved Jean Grey, didn't he? Uh, Logan, he always had yeah. a thing for her, and I thought he stands no chance because he's he's about five foot tall. He's he's slightly her suit like me, and uh, he's sort of there's no chance anything's going to happen. But these, but when the movies came out, you thought. Well, he's actually an option, isn't he, Hugh Jackman? He's not a bad-looking fella, you know. Oh, yeah. I can see it going yeah. that way. Yeah, totally. Fifty-fifty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But back then, um, he was he was a real outsider, a real sort of um, uh, uh, people that he, you know, a brooder. No one really understood him, so. and he was he was he was always someone they were a little bit scared of as well. Um, and oh, yeah. this is a this is a comic that I've eased. I've probably bought it six times. I have to say, Brilliant. I've got a couple of versions of the the American comic. I've got it in, I think it was in Rampage or something like that, that became the X-Men monthly comic in the UK. Right. I've got the um, Essential. I've got the um, Omnibus. You know, I've got the Digital. You know, you name it, I've got it. Because it it's a real standout, and I don't think they've ever bettered it. I think they, they've tried to return to it, and I think they'll... Yeah. They keep trying to return to the sort of Dark Phoenix thing. I know they are again in the movie, aren't they, soon? Well, and yeah, I don't, I don't think they've... Although, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's we'll going to like disappear as soon as, you know... Disney um, have, have finally got back all, all the X Men characters from Fox. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. So now yeah. I watched um, just before I came on to you. I watched um, the Titans TV series. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I've heard good things. I've heard it's it's actually, it's right. actually good. <laughs> God, it's hardcore. Is it? Yeah, I, t- I texted a couple of mates saying this is nuts, but good nuts. It's like um, have to check it out. Super violent as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's not George Perez's Teen Titans, but right, it's, 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 not, right. it's not Arrow. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. It, which is even worse. It's not Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, right, oh my god, right. I just watched that because it's so bad. Yeah. Have you seen the Have you I, seen the one where John Constantine goes back to punk London? No, I haven't. I, oh, it's I like, bet it's terrible. Like somebody's like. like Google, like googled some images for some bars in in London and yep. tried to make it in LA. And they, yeah, he's exactly what it is. <laughs> and, it, and part of it is clearly just shot in a Vancouver park. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Classic. and they all drive. All the cars have got the steering wheels on the wrong side. They're driving the wrong side of the road. A couple of people Seriously. are Scottish. You know, it's that sort of classic shit version oh, of London. Yeah. You expect Vinnie Jones yeah. to turn up and shout that he supports Manchester United or something. You know, it's like that. <laughs> so lame. <laughs> rubbish um but uh yeah i mean that's i mean that is definitely one of the, one of the best uh best comics of all time yeah um, yeah so i'd say it's a pretty good choice mate yeah burn's great i mean i got i had a rather unfortunate incident where i met claremont as a a 14 year old and he broke really? this poor comic fan's heart and i i kind mm. of always feel a bit bad about looking at it because i think but i can dis i think i'm at the point now i can distance my the creator from the creation i think some of the art from the art yeah. the artist from the art sometimes uh because he is a proper bellend claremont i don't know right. if you've ever met him but he actually yes he's always got this sort of fake english accent he puts on yeah and he's got a head that looks mm. like a walnut but other than that <laughs> it is still uh it is still pretty amazing <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah. so, so moving on to almost our final question. Oh, okay. Um, so we're, we're now at your farm. Um, oh, okay. And uh, you've got all of your comics, uh, but it's a really cold winter. Um, yep. Unfortunately, there there is no wood available and you have to burn all of your comics but one. Which oh, one do you no. keep? <laughs> Oh Christ! Come on, just cut, it's cut a hand off, and burn that, burn my <laughs> yeah, teeth for that. Instead, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'd have to keep the X Men. I think I'd have to keep that yeah. one. Yeah, it would be the one that I would go back to the most. Yeah, Definitely. I think it would be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was going to be the thing. Um, it's man, this one's. But I think, I think the X Men would be the one. It's a rich, it's a richer read. There's more to it. Yeah, I think so. I could amuse myself by copying some of the panels because I like Burns artwork and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think I think I'd do that one. Yeah, keep keep, keep what, with that. That's a good choice. What about you? Out of those ones I've talked about, what out of those you ones, yeah, I, I would choose X Men: Dark Phoenix Saga. Okay, yeah, yeah you're a fan, you're an X Men fan, or yeah, 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 yeah I am. Um, I tell you what, so um, I don't know if I uh, if I ever told you. So I, I mean, I read the Beano and and stuff like that yeah. when I was a kid yeah, yeah. And, and everything, but I only really got into comics like probably about five years ago. Oh, okay. Um, all right. And so I'm a I'm a late bloomer in terms of all this. So I'm just starting to catch You're allowed. up You're allowed with all of game. this stuff. Yeah, um, yeah I'm allowed. I, I don't have to yeah. have decades of uh, of reading comics beforehand. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to kind of read these uh, massive storylines that that are such a large part of like a lot of pop culture today. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I'd, it's, it's a book you can really pick. That Dark Phoenix saga, it, it still stands up now. Um, you know, I think anyone who's just getting into comics or something, I'd, I'd highly recommend that as a yeah. one. You can probably find it quite cheaply somewhere, either. I think. I would, yeah. Uh, and it, and it, it, it does stand up. And it's, it's there's none of this sort of overcomplication, you know, you've got to know about Marrow or Legion or something like this, you know, to be able to enjoy yeah. the Uncanny X-Men. Um, which uh, I had high hopes for. But, this is the, yeah, that the old stuff 
because I'm old, but the old stuff it's is classic. good like that, you know. Yeah, because to, to keep up with the X-Men, you just had to read the X-Men. To keep up with the Avengers, you just had to read the Avengers. It was a bit like that back then, you know. Right. No crossovers. Yeah, rather than the, you know, crossing over here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you've you you're in your farm. You've got your your copy of X Men Dark Phoenix Saga. Um, yeah. And you're you've got a, a weapon, tool, or useful item that you take into this apocalypse. What would it be? Okay. Yeah, this is a hard one, isn't it? Um, it is because. Which obviously there would be no law so i would quite enjoy killing people who liked aquaman <laughs> uh so i would watch some kind of weapon from kind of you know yeah. credit card receipts <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as a vegetarian i would have to wonder whether i would revert because i'm a lifelong veggie yeah, right. whether i would revert to eating meat as an only way of getting certain nutrients or maybe in the winter surviving right. um so I went through a number of them. I went through like a gun, and I thought, "Well, guns are too noisy. That would draw people over who I didn't want to speak to." Um, uh, a gun with a silencer, the bullets would run out. Um, a uh, then obviously the go-to that everyone will say, I'm sure, is a samurai sword. You know, but a samurai sword is you can't you can't you know chase a cow and hit it, you know, or chase a deer or something, hit it with a samurai sword. It ain't gonna yeah. work. Yeah, you know, as much as I'd love a samurai sword just to sort of slice people up. It'd so. Be <laughs> yeah so i eventually went for um one of those um uh compound bows with like a lifetime supply of arrows i think that's nice. where i've gone with it yeah because it's it, it's difficult to Makes fucking make arrows yeah and um uh, i've done a bit i did a bit of archery over the years and i think i could probably work it out and those compound bows are pretty good um and also silent so i think i'd probably go for that i think nice yeah, and bow and a lifetime supply of arrows. I'm sure we can yeah. we can supply with that. And do you want to know what yeah. Dan chose? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. What did he chose? He he chose a. I'll give you the specific thing that he chose. So, um, yeah. it's not just a crowbar. It's a roughneck oh, right. heavy duty gorilla wrecking bar of 48 inches. <laughs> <laughs> is what he chose. Like I'm worried about him. He's clear. He is a serial killer, isn't he? I don't think there's any doubt. We yeah. all know he's a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys would be uh, would be an interesting duo with uh, with your bow and arrow <laughs> yeah. and his uh, crowbar. We could be um, like warring cities, couldn't we? Vince could have another city somewhere else. Yeah. And we could go. just be at war with each other. Crowbar yeah, like gang that. versus bow and arrow gang. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. And you haven't had Vince on yet, have you? So Vince, hopefully you'll be yet. Vince I'm on at some point. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get yeah, him. So fingers crossed yeah. it'll, it'll be on. Um, that would be fantastic, and then, and then we could uh, put put you all in a uh, in a thunderdome <laughs> with oh, your weapons, that'd be brilliant. And, then, and then see yeah. how that goes down. Yeah, just rip the piss out of each other till one of us won. Bingo! He is pretty fun. remorseless. Uh, we will have just come back. By the time you hear this, we would have just come back from uh, True Believers, where we will have uh, it would have my jaw would have been hurting from laughing, but it would have been like no holds barred, piss taking of each other constantly. Um, I do have a plan to, if, if anyone has seen me, I did have a plan to go to my table in my night shorts. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what about these night shorts <laughs> this week's episode. It's so funny. I've got a pair of those sort of um, Elvis sunglasses, you know, like... As well. Sort of got, and I was thinking nice. of just going full on Lebowski. And just, just do it, man, down. the dude. 
you'd go to go breakfast it, just like that. You know, there's Dylan Teague eating his cornflakes and me wandering around <laughs> drinking from a bottle of Jack Daniels or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be ace, mate. That'd be funny. That, that could yeah. be your cosplay. Just the dude. Yes, finally they've got me in cosplay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bingo, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's sort of more of a sort of, sort of slightly crossed with the in-betweeners kind of, you know, thing going on. That's that's kind of our demographic, isn't it? Let's face oh, it. Totally. Yeah. Oh, 100%, 100% <laughs> mate. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Tony, thank you mate, that's so great. much. And I hope you, for, I hope you do do your own one because I want to hear what you think. You must be do. sitting there biting your day. tongue, waiting to think, oh, what yeah. would I say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. But uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do it one day. Um, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, you are making maybe, yourself maybe... the Roy Plumley of podcasting, which I kind of think is a good yeah. place to be. It's, it's yeah. a good one. Good. Yeah. Um, as long as that's a compliment. It is. No, it is. The Plumley. He's, he's the god of uh, Desert Island Discs, isn't he? He did it for decades. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's a good oh, interview as well. He's one of those sort of slightly sort of posh BBC guys, but he asked some pretty probing questions, you know. They're the likes of Alec Guinness or these, all these sort of people on there, you know, they're really interesting things. If Not you can find the um, Alec Guinness back through the archive. Alec Guinness does one. What I think he's filming Star Wars at the time and he oh, says things really? like, I'm off filming this sci fi movie. You know, he does Amazing. a bit of that. It's, it's quite funny. Yeah, it's quite cool. That. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I, I love finding out about stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you so much for being. No pleasure, man. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, and I mean, I'm just blown away by your infinite knowledge of oh, no. comics. Misspent youth, my friend. That is. Yeah, I could have. <laughs> I could have learned how to like. I don't know fix broken bones or something like that, or you know, mend a car. But instead, I just know who was in the X Men in 1982. You know, it's like. Uh, a waste of a life, isn't it? You know, but there you go. Nah, well, no, it's not, not bad. at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, and it's, it's incredible. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing you at True Believers. But as yeah, you said we'll have before, a laugh, this yeah. will air afterwards. Yeah. Um, but uh, for for the listeners at home, uh, where can they find you again? Yes, yeah, so you go to neverindanything.blogspot.co.uk. Um, that's where I tend to put all the sort of insulting stuff that we put out. <laughs> um, if you want a copy of the Awesome Comics Anthology, go to awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com. Um, and if you uh, go to S-I-S-E-Z-O-H-Y-Z is where you can follow me on Twitter. There you go. Fantastic. And then be sure to to Google um, or search in iTunes for, for Awesome Comics Podcast if you don't listen to it already. Um, Thank you, man. It's a, it's, it's a great listen. And uh, yeah, 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 I must get you on soon, actually. Uh, we'll do a little interview at True Believers, shall we? So we might, yeah, you might be on, okay. we might both That'd be on be great. two podcasts today. At the same go. time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. We're going we're gonna rip to rip a tear in reality. <laughs> next thing. World domination, Rodney. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's time next year. <laughs> <laughs> totally, mate. Fantastic, Tony. Well, thanks again. Um, and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Although, when this airs, we would have seen each other. Crazy. Yeah, it's weird like that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Tony. Take care, See mate. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks again to Tony for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute riot to have you on, mate. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Tony's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.